Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. I'd like to welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth of Rebecca Hubbard, who friends call Becky. She's the general manager of the iconic Lati New York Palace, where I've been staying so long, it used to be not the Latte New York Palace. Uh, she's got 20 years of experience, and uh, this hotel is in one of the greatest locations in the greatest city of the world. It's on 6th between 50th and 51st. Somehow, I always wind up there during Lent in St. Patrick's Cathedral, just across the street, and sometimes I catch the Cardinal celebrating Mass, so it's an, an added benefit. Uh, during her tenure at the palace, uh, Becky's overseen $140 million in hotel renovation of the guest rooms, the public spaces, and the meeting spaces, as well as reconceptualizing the food and beverage venues. She also oversaw the transition of hotel ownership and successfully launched the Latte Hotel brand in North America. She has a team of 800 ladies and gentlemen, and she oversees $200 million in revenue, and she's the steward of the 900-plus guest room luxury hotel in the center of Midtown. She's also on the executive board of directors for the Hotel Association of New York City uh, and NYC and Companies Recovery Coalition, formed to support city and state recovery planning for hospitality and tourism in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Becky, thank you for being here. It is my pleasure. Very nice to be here with you. Well, uh, tell me something. Uh, First of all, to what extent has the hospitality industry in your opinion, recovered thus far? 100%, 50%, where is it? Well, I think, you know, we're really, uh, we're, we're almost there, honestly. Tourism in New York City is, is certainly back and uh, we are expecting to really reach um, 2019 visitor levels, um, you know, in, in 2023. And so um, I think the minute people could travel, they did travel. And um, I think they realize the importance of travel in the face-to-face interactions. I think also, you know, transient demand uh, leads the pack, you know, with, with, um, you know, the type of business that's coming in. Uh, But however, saying that groups are absolutely traveling again and getting together and people are having amazing events and and social occasions. And so um, I, I really, I would say New York City is almost there, almost back at, at 2019 levels. I mean, in terms of really occupancy, we're probably about 13% down in New York City to 2019 levels, um, but uh, ADR is reaching uh, over you know, ADR levels in, in 2019 at about 13% up. So Everything is kind of evening each other out, too. <laughs> so that's a rather optimistic view. So, so given that, what has uh, permanently changed, do you feel, in the hotel industry in particular, if anything? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think that uh, we are looking at the way people mix business and pleasure at uh, or business with leisure travel at the, at, in the same trip. Um, we're seeing quite a bit of that. So people are coming to New York, staying a bit longer um, because they can really, and I think everybody realized you can, you can really work from anywhere in, in, in certain positions and in certain industries. And so, you know, I think that that's part of the thing is we're seeing that, that travel uh, has been um, really a mixed business and leisure, right? 
Having said that, I think um, we're seeing also in New York City and cities in general, people working from home on Fridays and Mondays. Um, so there's less people in the offices in the city environment. Hmm. And so, um, you know, at times uh, on a Friday or Monday in New York City, you'll find yourself with with some room, right? And and uh, it's something you can actually drive across town. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, at, at times I, I walk to and from work every day. And certainly I notice, you know, the the crowds I'm walking with on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday versus what I'm walking with on a, on a Monday or Friday. You know, so it works both ways, actually, because, you know, again, the business travelers that are coming in on those Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, they might be extending into the weekend because they're bringing, you know, their loved ones along with them. And you know, having a bit of a vacation after the workday is done, you know. Um, but having also having said that, the people that um, you know don't have to travel on Mondays or Fridays are not. To, to what extent is your demographic change? In other words, are you getting more foreign uh, visitors? I know whenever I've been at the hotel, there are a lot of foreign tourists. Uh, has that gone up or down, or is it stay the same? Yeah, international travel, that was the longest group of people to come back purely because of COVID restrictions and different, um, you know, restrictions in different countries. So now, uh, you know, I would say that we are absolutely seeing um, an increased number of international travelers um, at this point. And where I don't know, I don't think the numbers are back to 2019 levels for international travel, because really, you know, um, for example, you know, China is just starting to open up. Um, in terms of of international travel. And so um, that coming back to New York City is something that is going to just take a little bit longer. But we have certainly seen our travelers coming back from London, uh, from Europe, for sure. And, you know, the great thing about, um, you know, where we kind of gauge international travel in the fourth quarter is the UNGA, um, the United Nations General Assembly. And we had a full UNGA this year and uh, everybody came back. Everybody wanted to meet in person. Um, there were so many meetings going on in the hotel, outside of the hotel in the UN um, and in and around New York City. And so I would say that um, people are really excited to travel uh, back internationally now. So, so we're going to see that number go up and up. So we've heard about the great resignation and we've heard about quietly uh, quitting. How have you dealt with your staffing issues? Well, the good news is you really can't quietly quit the hospitality industry because <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we're just not built that way. <laughs> um, you know, we 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 wear our heart on our sleeves, so um, nobody quietly quits here. But you know, having said that, I think in New York City we're really lucky to continue to have resources to recall staffing. You know, working with um, the different unions in New York, um, you know, and we have a lot of uh, loyal, loyal employees that just really were patiently waiting to come back into the industry and do what they loved and do what they made their careers out of. So in New York, um, you know, it's a bit different than the rest of the country because these our, our, our people really um, were here at the ready um, and, and waiting and didn't necessarily leave the hotel industry. They, they waited for, for their jobs to return. And so particularly at the palace, people have made their position a lifelong career and have, you know, taken care of their families, put their kids through college, have, 
you know, had, um, you know, all the events in, in their lives go on here. I myself, I've been here for 12 years, the palace and have watched my girls grow up in and around the palace. And so for us, we were really lucky that we were able to get a lot of our team back. I think that some of the management staff um, that had been in the industry before this again really didn't happen at the palace but the the management staff in and around new york city um i think that they may have gone to other industries and tried out those industries for a while but realized that their their hearts are in hospitality and and i think also that hospitality is in everything you do in the industry whether you're in finance or you know in 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 medical the medical field there is always a component of hospitality. And so um, I always say all roads lead back uh, to hospitality and, and, and mostly the palace. <laughs> we find a lot of people coming back. You're a high-end hotel. And you know, within a mile or two of you uh, is uh, the peninsula and the um, Pierre and the Carlisle up on 74th, wherever. Uh, and I find that even lower end hotels though, are being in a very innovative in technology. They're offering keyless entry. You use your smartphone to get in, no keys required. Uh, they're offering Netflix on TV and things like this. Uh, what do you anticipate is going to be necessary there to continue to be competitive and to, to please guests who have become rather used to uh, these kinds of amenities and benefits? Well, listen, technology brings instant gratification. You can order anything. You can do anything. You can get uh, something overnighted to you. I mean, Certainly, I experienced that myself, but I think, uh, you know, going forward in the hospitality industry, we're going to have to have a combination of those technological advances, but focus on guest experience. And there's nothing like human touch, right? So meaning that, you know, there's nothing like having your old friend at the door, you know, when you walk into the hotel coming back in, you just can't do that with technology and, and really them knowing about you, your children, your grandchildren, Technology is very convenient and we are proponents of it for sure, but we are really uh, looking for ways to incorporate both uh, in, in the future of, of the palace and I think in the future of our, our own growth in the United States. And so the core of our business won't ever change, um, which is thoughtful, intuitive, and heartfelt service. So in that case, what is... But what is the biggest contemporary challenge you and your colleagues face? I mean, what, what is there that is sort of uh, continually on your mind and you realize it's is an issue that you really have to address and, and be good at? I think innovation. We, we continue, continuously have to be innovative and find new ways to present our hotel uh, to the world, to the city, to our guests that are returning we have to be creative in our spaces and find new ways of doing things all the time. Um, you know, this industry also has to embrace doing more with less sometimes, you know, and, and really because we're, we are a business and, and we have to look towards profitability. And um, so we have to find ways to reduce costs so that we can stay in business, right? And those come from everywhere. So those come from revenue generating ideas, for example, in, in the palace, you mentioned St. Patrick's Day, which is funny. It's a, we have obviously a great relationship uh, with uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, right across the street from us. And so um, we're actually, we partner with them and um, we've created this tour with St. Patrick's that our guests 
can really not access anywhere else but the palace. And you can go and have a tour of things you would never see in St. Patrick's Cathedral just booked through us, right? And the other thing is we have hired on a historian uh, that does uh, kind of embrace our own historical nature of the palace with the Villard Mansion that was built in 1882. And so on Saturdays, uh, he, he gives a tour of, of the full history of the mansion and just how it came about in New York. And then, you know, our Royal Suite collection, right? Our best and most beautiful suites up in the towers of the hotel. Uh, we took the opportunity to really uh, refurbish and, and renovate those suites over the period of COVID. And so, um, you know, we, we represented those suites again in, in this period and they're beautiful. We partnered with Heston's beds. And so now we have uh, some of the most wonderful beds in the world, um, but also, we still have those incredible views that the palace has always offered and just creating space for, for you and your, your loved ones. You know, I've stayed in those, especially on my birthdays. Yeah. Those are, the, those are the best. There's nothing like a three level suite. And with, yeah. With its own <laughs> elevator. Uh, <laughs> you said something interesting before, which I, I really agree with, you know, about the human touch. I often give people a test and I say to them, what's who's the most important person who works in a hotel and the answer for my money is is the front door staff, yep. because that's the first. Those are the first and last people you see. First impression, last impression. So it's not seeing the executives, not the front desk, even the concierge. It's, it's those folks. And your people are remarkably, remarkably friendly. Oh, thank you. Uh, proactively friendly, and, and you know the whole staff at the hotel is. Uh, and uh, you don't find that all over these days. Uh, what do you attribute that to? I mean, I, obviously it's brilliant management. You're going to tell me, right? But uh, is it also in the hiring process or is it, uh, you know, you don't get rich in, in the hospitality business, uh, but your people seem very motivated when they're working with guests. What, what, how do you see that? Yeah, you have, I, I think you're right. You know, look, I, I am going to tell you that the people that are at the palace that work here currently and have worked here in the past, because even before I came here, I've always heard about, um, you know, the palace experience, right? And I think that what we have is, you know, our staff has hospitality within. It's it, They're born with it. They really are. And they have the experience um, with the longevity um, of their time here at the palace where, you know, they can really gauge and anticipate needs of guests, right? They know what you like. They know what you don't like. They, they get to know our guests over the years. And you're right, they are some of the most friendly people I've ever met. And, you know, that's really synonymous with the team across the hotel. Um, yes, the doorman, I agree with you. It is your first and last impression, you know, the front desk team, but then in the housekeeping team, you know, that's near and dear to my heart because that's how I started in this industry as I was a housekeeper. And so, you know, I know what what uh, the job that they have and and the things that they the challenges that they go through and you know they're very behind the scenes. But you know, I promise you that the ladies that are cleaning your room care that you notice the view before you notice anything else in the room. They want they 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 take their job with purpose over function, right? They know that that's their job to make sure that the room is extremely clean and well put together. But what they want you to do is walk into something where you can relax and notice the view. Um, and so that's something that's really genuine 
we it, it's consistent across across the palace. Uh, what is your average day like? What do you spend most of your time on, if, if there is such a thing? Yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of my time with guests. I consider myself the innkeeper here. Um, <laughs> That's a hell of a bed and breakfast you got there. Yeah, right. I think so. <laughs> I, I mean, I always dreamed of having my my uh, my own inn, and and you know, I just found a nine hundred and nine room inn uh, in the middle of New York City, and uh, I think um, you know the guests are at the forefront of everything. I I, I thoroughly enjoy continuing to keep myself in the forefront of the operation. So, you know, doing a lot of management by walking around, making sure that I'm, I'm present. And then again, with you, what you and I talked about before, with an eye towards the future, being innovative, trying to find creative ways to do things with my team and I, and really, you know, meeting with the team and focusing on, you know, what they need and giving them the tools so that they can do their jobs better each and every day. And, and as I'm sure everyone does in all of the industries across the world, it's just constant prioritization, right? You just what is first and making sure that, that um, the, you know, things that need to be on the forefront are on the forefront and bringing that culture of service uh, to really build that momentum where people you know, we're in the industry of giving people time. And that's something that's so important to me is that, you know, when you are coming to the palace, I want you to have time with your family. I want to give you time to, you know, make the business decisions that our guests need to make. I want them to have time to enjoy their environment because that's what people don't get in this world is, is time. So I'm constantly focused on how can we give time back to our guests and how can how can we uh, help our employees with with time management as well? And you live on the Upper East Side, I think, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. So, at what time are you walking back from the hotel to your residence? What time? Oh, late at night. Uh, my my child, my my daughter will tell you it's always too late because she's always tracking me on my phone. <laughs> oh, she knows where you are. She knows where I am. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh, yeah. I I I really rarely um just end up leaving here before. 7.30, maybe sometimes eight, you know, it's always in, in the industry, you know, things are just kind of starting at that cocktail hour at five. So it's always fun and you can always get yourself mixed up into, you know, something that, you know, is going on in the hotel, whether it's an event or if it's someone coming in or something, something else to do. But um, yeah, I, I, I do. I started in COVID walking back and forth um, from the Upper East Side and have not ever stopped. And I find that Walking either way just really gives me some time to think and and kind of relax before you know I enter into the next phase of whatever it is in the day. You have uh, residences in in the palace, right? Well, we have a couple, yeah. Not not anybody um, permanent. Oh, okay. You know, it's not like some of the hotels where you have permanent guests there. Uh, yeah, no residents no. there. I should say. Okay. Right. Right. Now the other day. Uh, I was, uh, we were in the um, W South Beach, mm -hmm. uh, in Miami Beach, uh, and they said, well, um, how do you want us to um, distribute your uh, your Bonvoy points, your Marriott points, where do you want me to and, and that's the first time I realized that the W was a Marriott hotel, uh, you know, and uh, of course I knew the Ritz-Carlton for a long time, it's been a Marriott hotel, and, but if, I took a look the other day, and under some brands, like Marriott and I think Hilton and a couple of others, there were scores of brands. From from very low price to significant, 
Uh, and it seems like that's a trend in the industry over the last, I don't know how many years, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. um, where I guess they're getting economies of scale. I mean, I'm not that knowledgeable in hotel strategy, but um, and I know there's a latte brand and there are other latte hotels, but there aren't 40 of them, I don't think. Uh, right. So. Yeah, in, in the United States, not yet. Um, in, in South Korea and Asia, there are, um, you know, we do, we're, we are a South Korean brand um, and we have over 35 hotels, um, you know, in Asia. And so um, we're just expanding into the United States and we have the Lotte Hotel Seattle. And then we just bought a hotel in Chicago that we're gonna be converting to our uh, luxury lifestyle brand, which is called L7. Um, and then, you know, obviously you have the palace, um, which is the crown jewel, the gem, um, you know, in, in the Americas. And so, so yeah, certainly we do actually have tiers of brands within Lotte, you know, and it's funny because the palace, we always say we're a little bit of everything for everyone as well. Um, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how we scale our hotel. There's a lot with, with 909 rooms, we, we have the group component, we have, uh, you know, the transient component, we have been lucky enough to host captains of industry, heads of state, sports uh, celebrities and and movie stars. And so, um, you know, we really have, we, we run the gamut on, on our, on our guest. uh. Today, um, I heard that um, for people who are renewing their travel, Mm -hmm. uh, airline prices uh, have gone up substantially 20 or 30% and hotel prices in Florida have gone up 64%. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm wondering uh, what kind of resistance that might create that you weren't facing before. I mean, that's a huge increase. Uh, in, and I assume it's passing on costs to a large degree uh, because materials are so much more expensive. But uh, what, what is that like? Is it more difficult? Do you have to give more deals? Do you have to uh, give more uh, discounts? How do you handle things like that? the best thing that you can do with, you know, this, the price increases in, in any industry is you have to show the guest value. And so making sure that if someone is paying some a higher rate or price than they are, have been before value is the key, um, you know, making sure that people feel that they would spend any price for that experience that they would have. And so I think that across the board, certainly, yes, things are things cost so much more nowadays um, than than they did back in before COVID. Um, but focusing on that value, focusing on that experience where people feel like they it's worth it, and and that that they've spent they've spent their money in a in a wise way. What what's your biggest learning experience uh, being there for twelve years in this position? Oh gosh, I've had so many. I think it's to, I've really come to understand what trusting the people around me and that surround me means and surrounding myself by a team of experts that are my trusted advisors and really understanding that relationships are the key to everything that you do, not just in the hospitality industry, but in New York in general. I mean, you know, never did I think as a small town girl from Seneca Falls that I would come down and have these communities in New York City and the the friendships and the relationships that I that I've been able to uh, be been lucky enough to have in New York. And so I think the biggest learning is that in any 
place you can find your own community, whether it's a big city or a small town, just you have to just find your your group of people and and you know it'll make anywhere feel like home. And I think that that's my biggest learning is is that I I can you can find community in in such a big vast city. Mm, even home away from home for uh... oh, absolutely. Well, uh, for a long time, I called it the palace and I couldn't break the habit. So then I began to call it the Latte Palace. I realized it's actually the Lotte Palace. Yeah, Lotte. Yeah, Lotte. So I will work on my pronunciation. <laughs> I want to show you that. Okay. Uh, Becky, would you please tell our listeners uh, how they can learn more about the Lotte Palace and where they should go and, and just anything else you think they need to know? Yeah, I think the best thing is really to visit our website because it does take you through a journey of what there is to be offered here at the palace. So it's it's lotenypalace.com and it's 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 a fantastic um it's it's a fantastic uh way to learn about us, um, to learn about the the partnerships that we have. Really we we love to partner with other luxury brands because it's just more fun to get your name out there and get your brand out there with other people. And, and so um, if you're, if you're looking for our website, look to New York is that's the best way. Well, I appreciate you being with me today. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on the industry. It's very, very timely. I wish you a uh, continued success. Oh, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back at the palace always. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Alan. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.